Welcome back. I spent uh, much of the weekend reading a fascinating and honest uh, and incredibly lively book called Hits, Flops, and Other Illusions. My 40-something years in Hollywood, the author of that book is Ed Zwick, a child of Winnetka and New Trier, and we have a million mutual friends, and I'm amazed we never met before, but Ed, it's nice to have you on the radio. The book's terrific. Thanks, Rick. It, it's really nice to be here. I, when I saw it was WLF, I started to sing the theme song from like the 60s in my head. Yeah. You know, what's the weather for the weekend going to be? Remember that one? Sure, sure. Yeah. I, you write in the book, you write in the book, uh, in, in, in a night's introduction, you write, I tell stories for a living. Uh, let's just say they're as true as they can, the stories in this book, as true as they can be given the reflexive impulse to please and the hope not to be excommunicated from certain Hollywood parties that I don't care to attend anyway. Uh, yeah. you, you were, you were, you were uh, sparked to write this book when you and some colleagues were sitting down to resurrect sort of uh, the famous, famous TV show that you, you did 30-something. You were going to do... 30-something else was the relatively logical name of that thing. And then COVID came, and you decided, I'm going to tell my story. What else compelled you to yeah. do that? What It's not just, oh, hi, hi, I have some free time. No, it has to be more than that. Was it not, Ed? Absolutely. <clears throat> I, I think that, that what I saw during that period, and I did something that I'd never done before, which is I started looking at some of my movies. And my kids had seen them, but I, I'm not... I'm that kind of retrospective person, and I, I've always been very forward-looking, but I sat down to look at some of them because I had time suddenly with COVID, and I wasn't, you know, it wasn't about, oh, this worked and this didn't and this was successful. It was more about this astonishing set of relationships yeah. and people that I had been with and the memories and the anecdotes and the fights and the <laughs> love affairs and the, the the total ridiculous absurdity of some of the things that happened. And I suddenly realized that, you know, I, I'd come out of college. I'd written journalism. I'd written for a couple of magazines and for Rolling Stone. And I had always thought that was going to be my life. Yeah. Yeah. And my life took a, took a, took a different course, but I'd always wanted to write a book, but I thought I never had a subject. And the, suddenly I looked in the mirror and I realized, Oh, it's I'm me. It's me. I'm the subject it's of this me. thing. Yeah. It, it also is, it's, it's, uh, it's nicely punctuated with sort of life lessons. You have nine lessons from Nina. You have things you learned from Sidney Pollack. Uh, I, I find it just fascinating how difficult a former would-be journalist was it to write. It is never, ever easy to write a book, Ed, and I find this one uh uh, a a fine piece of writing. Was it difficult, even though you've yeah, lived well, you in know, a world of words, words forever? Was it difficult? Well, it's funny. I mean, the one thing that was most... There are two things that were difficult. Obviously, a screenplay is like a, a form. It's like a sure. format. It has sure. 120 pages. It has two-page scenes. You're, you're in a, a known universe. And when you write a book, Rick, you know this. You've written so many that, yeah. that you're... You're at sea. You're you're in. You're, you you're, you don't know which way is up and how far is long and yep. what is you know and what is right. And so, trying to find the um, not the locations, but trying to find the rhythm of the book was the challenge for me. 
Um, but there was another challenge. I've always written these things, very personal things, scandalous things, political things, and I put them in the mouths of very pretty people standing over there on the stage under the lights. Yep. And I was protected. And then to write in the first person was so confrontive. It was very revealing. And that was another thing to get through. And I guess that um, I've always liked uh, memoirs when, when they're really readable. But I, I just decided, though, that if I was going to be authentic, and if I was going to be authentic, it meant being authentic about the stories that I knew and the people both good and bad. Exactly. And, and that it, sort of became... One of, one of the hallmarks of any kind of authenticity is honesty. And I think yeah. that is that can be very difficult in the realm in which you have spent the last 40 years. I don't know if you've dipped into David Mamet's uh, latest, latest book in which he uh, looks at, at his 40 years in the movie business. And it's, it's, it's mean, frankly. Do you know that? Have you looked into that? You know, it's so funny you say that uh, there's going to be an L.A. book festival, and I think they asked to, uh, they may put us on a panel together, and I haven't seen David in many, many years, but I thought maybe I should look at his book and see what he's, what he's talking about, because David's been on an interesting journey in his life. I, oh, no question, and you're part of that journey, though, too, not not kind of directly. I, you're first, yeah. in, in, well, uh, one of the local uh bits in the book it takes place with uh when denise de and tim kazarinski uh two second city alums wrote a screenplay of david mamet's sexual perversity in chicago which was put on at the apollo theater by two guys uh, named Stuart oaken and jason brett jason with whom i had uh, you know one too many cocktails last night ed and we uh-huh. talked and we yeah. talked about you I, I had forgotten that you guys knew each other that is, and I want to talk about Jim Belushi, too, in this short little segment here, but that's the movie that really convinced you that you were a movie director, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was, it was playing on a, on a bigger playing field, and the response was far greater than I had imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie not just played and played and played here, right? outperformed what people imagined, but also it suddenly took off in Europe, and all of a sudden we're traveling with the movie and going to... Kind, you know, Venice, and, and I realized, well, okay, well, there may be something going on here. <laughs> talk to me about the difference, and I know, you know, I, I look forward to meeting you face-to-face, too, but talk to me about the difference between your initial and huge success was with 30-something, which was a huge hit. Uh, I, I would have preferred your show, uh, So-Called Life. I was TV critic and reviewed that show and thought it was one of the most amazing shows I'd ever seen. Yeah. But 30, it has a real special place. In oh, life. my God, as well it should. But 30-something, I, I'm sort of, what drew you away from television? Oh, I guess that's a really good question. First of all, television, it... it Beats you down relentlessly uh-huh. for, for without without any respite, and there's never a sense of closure, and there's never a sense of completion because there's always that next one to do, or you finish and there's a hiatus before the next season. Yeah, and there's a rhythm in which it's like repertory theater. You write it on a Tuesday and you shoot it on a Thursday and you cut it on a Friday and then you're up all night Saturday and fixing it together and you know and and I was. Oh, I my kids were were at this stage when I I wanted to be a dad and right. I wanted to be closer right. to them, but at the same time I was still following the bitch goddess of success and 
I'd only wanted to be a movie director, so my life became very much about giving over to this process of art when I was doing it, going off on a location to these crazy countries, but then being home and coaching soccer and driving carpool and having dinner, and it allowed me to have more of that life, frankly. Well, that's that's quite quite well put you you don't this is a a to my mind what i would call memoir of sorts you do not dig too deeply it, it's a career memoir uh yeah as opposed to you know the going down to elder lane beach when you were in the suburbs uh intentional or now are you thinking wait i gotta talk about i gotta talk about new trier and what that was like and growing up wow, in Monetka you know, and my I'm parents you mentioned your. Oh, it's gr- so funny. I never, I, I never thought I would write another book, but having done this and understood the pleasures of it, um, and as I as I may not want to keep getting up at four thirty in the morning in some, you know, in Lithuania, there may be another avenue. Yeah, and, and there are so many stories. So there's one story in the book that you might have remembered. I talk about Jamie McClendon, my 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 homeroom advisor. Hmm. Um, and and what it was like to be in high school between, I think it was 66 and 70, right? Yeah, yeah. A period in Chicago that was pretty vivid. Oh, yes. A period in my personal life that was very vivid at home. Um, my relationship with him was very interesting. His relationship to the school was very interesting. Uh, and I suddenly realized, well, there are things there that I could explore. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm going to. But you know, when I was first writing this book, Rick, I, you know, you keep a file on your computer and, and absolutely and I it B. Yeah. I said it's B dash dash K. Mm-hmm. In other words, I didn't want to admit that it was a book because then I put too much pressure on myself. <laughs> well, there's a fascinating, fascinating first paragraph of chapter 15, uh, which is called entitled "Shadows of Valiant Ancestors." You write, my paternal grandfather, Ichki, was a tough Jew. I'm named after him. My Hebrew name is Yitzhak. In, 19, in the 1920s Chicago, his five brothers, the uncles as they were known in my family, Dovey, Fat, Zeus, and Zell, and Jewels, were, quote, betting commissioners, end quote, read bookies, for, yeah. the, for the Capone mob. As a boy, I secretly relished my family's unsavory past. Uh, Edswick, that paragraph screams out for a chapter, but I, I appreciate it. And it, uh, we will. Uh, oh God, Rick! Oh God, that's right. There is a chapter. My father tells the story. And I'll tell it to you in brief, but you'll love it. He he was a, like any kid working for his father, working, and, and and his job was to go and show up at Wrigley Field or Comiskey Park and call in who the pitchers were if they started. And, and that was it. And they had a box. And if, he, if a pitcher sometime wasn't going wasn't to start, sure. you know, the line would, the line would change. <laughs> but like all kids, you know, he got bored with his summer job. So one day they decided they're just going to go to the beach and they'll just call it in. And this pitcher always starts and it won't be a problem. Except that day, the pitcher pulled up lame with a bad shoulder, and the and the book took a bath. <laughs> and, he, and he talked about coming back home from State Street Beach, and the and the the, the sort of the, the the car pulling up alongside, saying, "Kid, get in." Oh, oh my God! And he go and face his uncle. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. Edwick, what what did your father do? What was his name, and what did he do? Uh, Alan Zwick, he was, had a number of, of I think I knew, I think in the small world that is Chicago, I think I knew your father when he would occasionally drop into the Billy Goat 
and I remember well, him. What do you mean? We'd like, come on, come on, Rick. Just call it like you see it, Rick. He was a he was an habitué of the Billy Goat. Yeah, well, he, well, but I'm, I'm the point I'm getting to is he once made a a bet with Mike Royko about his coat, which was this fabulous long leather coat with like lambskin interior. Then Mike won the bet, whatever the bet was, and he wore that coat so proudly for many, many, many years. <laughs> Uh, many years, and I knew your dad a bit. I, I he was a, I, I liked your dad a lot. We're talking with Ed Zwick, whose uh, new book, new book, his only book, hits flops and the other and other illusions. My forty something years in Hollywood. We'll dip deeply into uh, about last night, and because I think he formed a, a very important important friendship and learned a great deal from uh, Jim Belushi. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Alan Zwick's uh, memoir. Uh, called Hits, Flops, and Other Illusions in 40-something Years in Hollywood, uh, is filled with what we used to call in the business, and when Cup would write a column of bold-faced names, you will read about such people as Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Anthony Hopkins, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Anne Hathaway, Daniel Craig, Harvey Weinstein. But the the it, this is not just some kind of celebrity uh, trek. It is a very introspective look at the life of a of a noted and notable director i find it a very honest book i find it terribly terribly compelling you formed a a deep and important kind of friendship with uh with jim belushi while you were filming uh about last night here didn't you yeah it, and it didn't start out that way uh, it sure didn't no you do a nice job yeah <laughs> well <clears throat> you yeah, well, captured Jim, believe me. Yeah, I did. Because, you know, this was a moment for Jim when uh, his brother had died not long before, yeah. and he was trying to feel himself in the universe and sure. not be uh, only thought of as the little brother and yet having adored his brother. And he had done the play for Stuart and Jason at the uh, at the Apollo. At the Apollo. And the, studio, and the studio didn't really want him to play the part, because who was he? He was not a star. And we had right. Low, and we had Jimmy Moore, and can't you get a star to it? And I met Jim, and I just knew in a second. And when he, when he actually, um, I had him read uh, the, the, some monologue from the opening mm-hmm. from Sexual Perversity. And in fact, that was not part of Timmy and Denise's script, um, because they just didn't realize what it could do. And having heard that, I said, not only does this kid have to play the part, but we have to put that as the opening to the movie. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you would have thought that that would have made Jim and I just totally close. And yet Jim, <laughs> in those years, was a pretty volatile character. And and we had this moment um, when we were shooting early on in the L. Yes. When we got into one of those real Chicago... Uh, Standoffs, right? Yes, with, uh, was going to back down. Yes, and it was snowing, and I felt the whole movie was cratering all around me, mm-hmm. and it was fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, all of this back and forth. And finally, there was this moment, and I don't know why. I just, I just looked at him. I said, Jim, this is all going south, and 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 I'm scared. I yeah. mean, you know, I could get fired. The movie could get canceled, and 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 Jim looks at me. He goes. Oh, come here. And he puts, you know, Don't worry, I gotcha. 
I gotcha. I gotcha. And from that moment on, we were as close as can be, and and his performance is, is what his performance is. It was fantastic. One of the other things, uh, Ed Zwick, in your book that I really uh, admire you for, because you write about and, and were deeply affected by a relationship with someone I greatly didn't know him, but... I greatly admired Sidney Pollock, and he, 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 if if you had a mentor, would Pollock have, be your mentor? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I had a difficult relationship yes, with my indeed. father, and I think I was often looking for other um, sure. sort of older father figures. And, and you know, Sidney was, wasn't the Mr. Chips kind of um, avuncular character. He was, a, he was a, a guy from the Midwest, too. He yep. didn't come up as an actor in New York. But he'd come up through television like I had. Mm-hmm. And so he had a real feeling for what I'd gone through to get to this place. And, you know, we we butted heads as much as we uh, got along. But there was great, great respect from the beginning. We worked together a couple of times. But even after that, we just kept, you know, be, being in touch. And, you know, when an older man does does that to a younger director, younger artist and a younger person. <laughs> sure. There's a kind of there's a kind of honoring that takes place, and there's there's something you're given that, yeah. that becomes so important no, that, I, that I was, you know, and boom. and I could see. And by the way, he was an anxious person. Mm-hmm. He was not you know always uh, just you know uh, easy and and sometimes competitive. Even I thought, oh sure, but that sure. didn't stop. But that didn't it didn't stop something from being a real relationship. No, what you capture there is really the, the level of honesty uh, in that in that relationship uh, that I found terribly, terribly, terribly compelling. And he also, he, he also did one more thing, which is that he, he showed me a path to make movies that were big and serious with movie stars, but right. hiring movie stars, hiring movie stars as actors. Yeah. Not, yeah. You know, not, not, as, their, not for their persona, but for what they could do really inside a part. Yeah. And and that was a real lesson. Well, one of the other things, uh, Ed Zwick, about this book is you, you have spent uh, four pretty amazing transitional decades in this business. I, I think you'll you'll see how David Mamet reacts to that when you read his book to have some kind of event out there. But you write in here, uh, these days, big movies with movie stars and all the bells and whistles tend to be about superheroes and comic books. This isn't grousing. It is what it is. Is that a bad thing? Well, it is a bad thing, yeah. finally. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a sorry thing. Yeah. You know, and I didn't really realize, because, you know, it takes a year to write a book or more. Oh, sure. A year to publish sure. a book and sell yep. it. And in those last two years, the changes have become even more obvious. So in some sense, the book is transitional. Or, or even a little bit autumnal. Right, um, right. Because I'm talking about a kind of movie and a kind of thing that movies meant that were really, really so important to all our lives. And I don't feel that movies are as important to our lives anymore. Well, and I just don't think the kinds of movies you made, the kinds of movies you made, Blood Diamond, Last Samurai, Legends <laughs> of the Fall, even about last night, and Glory, uh, I don't know if they can get made anymore. Uh, I, I think it's a really weird frankly weird time in uh in hollywood uh that that you have uh you've thrived but i don't know how much longer that goes on you know what i you know what i mean of course you know what i mean you know, I know better I know exactly than i do mean, yeah. and it's always yeah 
And it's always taking a long time for me to get these movies going. And the older I get, the shorter the runway is. Well, there's a, so, you know, in yeah, uh, I, another another guy, a friend of mine, Andy Davis, who's had a, a sure. you know, director of The Fugitive and a, a long career in uh, in movies, is, is feeling the same way. It's kind of a down time for him. You and uh, you and David both live in Santa Monica, so maybe you'll bump into each other on the street corner somewhere. Well, we were. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I once I was I sat next to him at a wedding once, and I saw him in someone else's house a few yeah. times. We, we you know we, we've just been you know friendly, but don't really know each other well. Sure, It'll, I'll, I'll be very curious, and I will get in touch with you. I'm going to write about you. You can read about uh, this portions of this interview in a longer interview uh, in the Chicago Sun Times right. coming up. And today, if you for those of you who still buy newspapers, the Chicago Sun-Times has a very nice piece on page 44 by my old friend Lloyd Sachs about, uh, about Ed's Wick and this book. It does not mention the uh, bet that his dad made with Royko and Lost, but that's, uh, for, that's, for, the next, that's for Ed's next memoir. Uh, you're going to be at, you're gonna be at uh, I know, you're going to be at a party here where I will meet you on Friday. But you're also doing an event at the uh, the, the uh, Writers Museum here, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to do something at the Writers Museum when I come in. And I mean, how great that Chicago would have a Writers Museum! Really, that's just it's a cool place. So it's perfect. a yeah. It's a, you haven't been there yet. Wait, and then you'll love it. No, no. And then I'm going to. And then on the next day, I'm going to do something at the University Club too. Oh, fantastic! You're not going to go back to New Trier. Visit the old uh, stomping no, grounds. No, but I might, I might see, I might see a couple of those folks at the party, baby. So. <laughs> I bet, yes, I bet you will. I'll never forget the time Ed, for a story, I accompanied Anne Margaret and her husband Roger Smith up to revisit O'Hare, uh, revisit New Trier, and she had not been there in forty years. It was one of the spookiest evenings I've ever had in my life. Wow. Uh, as wow. I said, uh, as I said, I, I greatly admire this book, Hits, Flops, and Other Illusions, My 40-something Years in Hollywood. It's by Ed Zwick. It is filled with uh, bold-faced names, as we used to say, but it also tells the story of, uh, you know, Ed got sick, he got a diagnosis, he loves his family. Uh, it, it's It's the whole story, but not enough about his uh, childhood and his uh, gambling uh, uncles. Uh, and I look forward to meeting you. Congratulations. Thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you soon. Take care.